Hey guys, it's Lori Burris with the Catch Pocket Podcast, and tonight, Mr. Richard Davies. Richard's a great landscape artist. He does amazing work. You should check it out if you can. Um, glad you guys made it tonight, and thanks for the support out there. I'm really seeing some fun things happening out there, and I can't wait to maybe be a part of those things. Um, let's see. COVID update. Year two. (laughs) Um, just basically looking like we have this thing managed, but we just need to keep on being vigilant for the people that can't seem to figure this shit out. We'll wait on you guys, but yeah, people are getting a little bit perturbed. And the people that are acting so selfishly, they also are bad sports and babies. So, with that, on to the next thing. If you like what I'm doing here, please follow, like, subscribe, whatever you do. I'm going to try to get on. I love TikTok now because I think it's fun. And um, it's just amazing without commercials, which is nice. Except for that, that casino one. But you can scroll right past those. So, anyway, thanks for listening to Catch a Pocket Podcast. My next guest is Richard. Richard is awesome and we'll have links to his art and things of his preferences and natures. And uh, at the bottom of the page, just follow the links. And uh, here, without further ado, is Mr. Richard Davies. Enjoy it. So I'm here with Richard Davies, and he is an artist, he does landscapes, he does teaching, and thanks for coming, Richard. Sure, no problem. All right, well, I I really appreciate you coming, it's really something to give up, you know, part of who you are to me and the listeners, and um, so we always start with, where were you born? I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Okay, well, tell me about that. Like, I don't remember it really, but right, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but it was it was, it was uh, we'd lived in uh, uh, Cleveland Heights, and uh, that's where my dad had met my mom, and she got pregnant. Right. She didn't expect to get pregnant, but she did, and had me there. And did they get married afterward? Yes. And did they move away from Cleveland or something? Yes, almost immediately. Uh, yeah. He moved down to Houston where he had a job. Wow. Okay. So what, what did your dad do for a living? Um, in Houston, he worked. I'm not sure exactly what he did in Houston. Right. Uh, I think it was a variety of things. Okay. 
So, but then we moved to Dallas, and there he worked at U.S. Rubber. Okay. Uh, managing the uh, warehouse there. Did your mom stay home with the kids or kid? Yes. yes. Were you the only kid or were no, there No, I've got two brothers and one sister. Okay. Yeah. So um, so you guys lived in Texas as you were growing up. And mm-hmm. then where did you go? Like, did you stay there for high school and everything? Uh, stayed there through uh, seventh grade. And then what happened? Then moved to Winfield, Kansas. Winfield? Yeah. What What happened there? I mean, like, what brought you there? Well, my dad had been was had gotten a new job at Delta Brush, uh, managing their warehouse in Dallas. Okay. And then uh, he was hired by Benny and Smith in Winfield. It makes Crayola crayons. Yeah. And uh, he became their warehouse manager. Okay. So it was all about warehouse management. Yep. And mom stayed at home with the kids. That's right. And so you had a lot of interaction and good bond with your mom or not really? Um, uh, at the time, uh, parents were not quite as uh, politically correct as today. Okay. Well, they're There's... not even politically correct today, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's not, you know, it's very no. not. She was she was going to school in, in Dallas before we moved to Winfield to uh, get a degree in teaching. She went to North Texas State University, which was a pretty big deal yeah. teaching college. Okay. And she got her degree there, or most of her degree there, and then she went to Wichita State. Uh, for other for I think for a master's later on but uh, wow. she moved to Winfield and started teaching actually in Arc City so Arc City elementary or middle school or high school um, it was like sixth grade okay seventh grade it's like so there it could be junior high right it's kind of that weird in between time yeah that's a really gift you know when you can um, connect and be able to communicate with young people like that I worked in middle school for like seven years and there's yeah. people that are good at it, and there's people that aren't. She was, I think she was good at it. Cool. She was very good at it. And she did English, you say? She was just teaching sixth grade. So. Just sixth grade, straight right. across, like, all the subjects. That's right. Okay. And so she was out of the home during the day then, and how old were you during that time when she was doing that? Um, gosh, she probably started teaching uh, shortly after we arrived, so it would have been, like, eighth grade for me. Okay, okay. Were you happy about it or not? Um, I didn't really notice. You didn't really notice. <laughs> it wasn't a thing. Yeah. So, okay, you have several brothers and sisters? Yeah, Robert, Michael, and Dale is my sister. Dale? Uh, yeah, like uh, she's named after Dale Evans. Uh-huh. Uh, so, okay. Roy, Roy Rogers' wife, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's like really a man name, Dale. Um, so she probably got shitted on for that. I don't know, but, um, I'm sure she let, let them know about it. (laughs) She stood up for it. Oh yeah. Okay. So she, is she still around? Yes, she is. All right. And she live here? She lives, I believe in Mulvane now. Oh, okay. So around. Yeah. Cool. And you have some relatives that live in Georgia? Um, I have relatives that live in Cleveland, uh, and in New Jersey, New York, uh, used to have some in Georgia, but no longer. Okay. Had some in Florida. Ooh. So I like Florida only. I don't like anything about it. Yeah, except for the beach. 
Yeah. The beach sounds really I, nice. We never visited them there, so we've yeah. never seen Florida with our relatives. So. Okay. You've seen Florida, though. I have. I haven't. I haven't. I'm excited to go someday. Okay, so we're going to move on. Um, so when did you get, when did you know or feel that you were interested in art? I'd always been interested in drawing. I'd always been drawing, 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 drawing when I was a kid. Even when you're a really oh, young yeah. kid. As far as I could remember. Really? Yeah. And so when did you, so you went through school in, um, what'd you say, Mulvane? Winfield. Winfield. Okay, so you went through school in Winfield, which is kind of a small town environment, mm-hmm. and, and you were, that's high school and everything? It's yeah, it's a high school. It's a pretty nice high school. When I first started there in eighth grade, they were going to the old high school, which is on Ninth uh, Street, and it essentially became condemned. Large sections of the building were condemned. It was built in like nineteen seventeen or something. Whoa, yeah. yeah. So it probably had asbestos or something going on there. <laughs> well, it, it's yeah, well, un- undoubtedly, but yeah. it was it was falling apart for sure. So then you went to a new renovated building sometime in your transition, like mm-hmm. your senior year or something. I think I think. Uh, my uh, uh, junior year. Okay. And my senior year actually was at Salina South. Really? What happened there? Well, I was in a boys' home. What? Tell me about that, Richard. <laughs> well, I, I was I was a rapscallion. You were. Yes, at, I was. In, in Winfield. Winfield, Kansas. Yes. So everybody knew who you were. Um, everybody knew who everybody was. Right. Yeah, you know, Winfield, Kansas. I think it had a population of like twelve thousand. 514,000, somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very and small. Yeah, I was just, a, you know, your basic pot-smoking, acid-taking, uh, run around and have fun kids. Right. So yeah. what happened to get you sent to the boys' home? Just that you okay. took acid or something? Well, I had, I had. well, what had happened was we had taken some acid, and we'd driven down to Ark City. You drove on acid? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, we picked up uh, uh, these... <laughs> We picked up these tumbleweeds uh-huh. and put them in the trunk of the car. It wasn't my car. And we drove back to Winfield, and it was uh, it was pr- prom night, yeah. I think. or Yeah. And it was actually a very cold night that night. And we went to Albertson's, and I went in there with this long coat on. And, uh, <laughs> I, and we had this plan. We were going to uh, pour squirt syrup on the windshields of the cars and because it's syrup that's bad but it's cold and that's even worse right and we had this in our in our little janky minds that we were going to screw up their (laughs) nights and uh and i had money with me i don't know why but i didn't just buy the 79 cent bottle or whatever it was right you stole it i put it under my coat and walked up to the counter and um, caught you. Well, what happened was the guy I was with asked me, Where, where's the candy bars, man? You know, and I lifted my arm, which was holding the bottle of syrup, and it just dropped out onto the floor. Oh, my. And the woman who was the co-owner or the wife of the owner uh, just went ballistic and started shrieking. And saying, there's oh, there's shoplifting. They're stealing. You know, and, ca- and they called the police, which were basically across the street. Oh, man. You know, and, yeah. and a block and a half like, away was the city police, and you had the sheriff's right there. <laughs> so, so they came and got you. They swooped in and grabbed me. Yeah. So I had like 100 hits of acid on me, so I took them all so I didn't get arrested. Oh, no. That. What happened then? What that what uh, was well, that I, like? <laughs> I got pr- I got pretty high, <laughs> Yeah. oddly enough. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
me out. And they put me in the, the jail. They thought you were going crazy. Well, no, I was, I, I, I've done lots of acid before, but the, the, the thing is, is that, that they, um, they put me in there and they, the, while I, they're booking me in and taking my belt and all that stuff, mm-hmm. there was somebody in the cell area who kept flushing those, you know, those toilets from God that just make this giant noise when you flush them. The metal toilets. Right. And they, and whoever was in that, in that, uh, cell was screaming, he's an Indian, he's an Indian over and over again. Yeah. Are you sure that was true or you were just on way too much acid? I'm pretty sure it was true. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so they went and put me in the, the cell area that was supposed to be for the juveniles. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then the, the next day, the next morning, uh, I went to my trial. Very next morning. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah, they just got me. I am still tripping balls. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that uh, takes forever to get off of. Well, acid. it was pretty late when I took it, so right. yeah, I was full tilt boogie, you know, by the time wow. I got into the courtroom. I can't imagine. And it was just a conference room because it's just for a juvenile, because with juveniles, they do whatever the hell they want. And there's, for some reason, there's a whole bunch of people there, Yeah. you know. My lawyer, who I'd never met before, was on my right, and I didn't know he was my lawyer, just some dude. Yeah. You know, and I'm sitting there just kind of, you know. Yeah. Still tripping. <laughs> tripping. Yeah. And apparently the judge said, stand up and state your name. You know, I'm like, just look at him like, what the hell? I'm out of my mind. And, the, <laughs> and the, my lawyer nudges me and says, stand up and state your name. And so yeah. I stand up and try to remember my name and kind of remembered it. I don't. I think I got it out weirdly. And then I sat down. <laughs> and then they basically, they just immediately, apparently they had all the real information was given out before i even showed up right as soon as i stated my name they said okay uh, you're being sentenced to uh, uh mental evaluation and then you're going to the boys home and i didn't go they had gave me a choice they said i got you can go to this this or this which was uh afton lake afton uh some other place boys industrial school uh st john's military or uh, uh, uh st francis boys okay. home I said, well, what's the difference? I said, well, BIS, you'll probably be raped. Uh, um, Who tells you this? Who's telling some you this? lawyer guy next yeah. to me. okay. And, and what was the other one? The uh, military school? Well, that's the military. And I'm like, I don't go in the damn military. Yeah. So you're, I says, you're like a passive uh, then, then observer. Then he says, uh, he says well, at St. Saint, at Saint Francis, you, you go camping. I said, I want to go there. Camping. <laughs> <laughs> was that good or bad? St. Francis? You didn't get raped. No, I didn't. You just got camping. I got camping. I did a hell of a lot of drugs because I ended up getting a girlfriend. Oh. Uh, in well, how about that? Salina, who... Yeah. Who's would bring you some joints and you guys well, would do some smokes? More, more fun than that. She actually... Uh, she <laughs> Her father was in the military, was uh, oh. uh, in the That's Air... That's where the good drugs are. Yeah. Because well, they have the opiates, you know, well, from the wars. The Air Force base is right there in, just outside of Salina. Mm-hmm. Ellsworth and um, and they had this thing where you could take a ten dollar hop. Essentially, you just go in if you're a, a relative of a airman or whatever. Right. They have a clipboard and you give them ten dollars and you you sign your name on it. And if they have room on this airplane to anywhere in the world, you can go. You can go. Awesome. So she would go to Scotland and pick up ten thousand lots of acid. Holy shit! And just how would she get it back? She just she had a big like notebook and just put it, it in was the all, notebook yeah it was all blotter and oh. there was no customs or anything because <laughs> right. it was this military deal and she'd just fly Holy back shit. Bring, you know 
Awesome. So you guys had a connection. And then you just kept on doing ask. Oh, my God. The whole time you were in the military school. No, it wasn't the military school. It was St. Francis. Oh, St. Francis. I'm sorry. Um, so, but you were doing art at that time, too? Um, yes, I was. How, how, how was that? Well, I didn't get to do a lot, well, mainly because it was, I didn't have the materials to do much there. And there you were, didn't have classes on art? Not at, not at the school itself. Then I... Uh, um, then there was in the high school they had a uh, an art class a painting class and I okay. took a painting class there. And Is that getting out of the detention and going back to regular high school or are you still in like a still some in, sort of still at St. Francis and then okay. you get on a little bus and they drive you in in the morning let you off and you go to, to a school. regular high school yeah and then okay. you get done you get back on the bus you go back to the as long as there's no infractions you don't have no problems yeah basically and you were doing acid on the side. Still with your girlfriend? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Man, it's like a win-win. Um, <laughs> just joking. Um, so you finished high school there? Um, I did. And graduated and did the ceremony there? No, the, we couldn't do the ceremony. Oh, you weren't allowed to do no, the we, ceremony? No, we were bad boys. We didn't get to go to the... But you got a degree? Yes. And it was a full degree? I guess so. Uh, didn't hear anything otherwise. So then what happened? What happened well, then? Well, sure, I guess shortly after I graduated, my, my mother applied uh, to Wichita State University. Uh, to get her master's? No, for me to... Oh, for you to, to go. go to school there. Okay. I had never thought about going to college. Right. And I got in. Yeah. So now I'm going to school. So, so now you're going to school at regular general ed? Yeah. And you found the art program there? I did. That was that was going to be my major. So you were there yearly for three years or so, or four years, and then you changed somewhere. What happened? Well, I, I went. I uh, started art school there, and I soon discovered they don't really teach you anything. Okay. <laughs> they um, it was basically sit down, paint, draw, and then sit around on on a bunch of stools, all the students, and tell each other how your painting sucked. Critique. You know, right, critique. Except for they are just as clueless as I am, and any information they give me is just plain useless. And that right. no one no one ever taught you, well, here's what a brush is for, here's what a fan brush is for, this is how you make a medium, here's how you prepare a canvas, how you They didn't do canvas. that? No, zero of that. That's weird. It was weird. Yeah. So I said I could stay at home and not spend all this money. You can do research on your own and figure Which, out medium and figure out. How did you do that then? I just went to libraries, interlibrary loans, and got yeah. books. Uh, one of my favorite. Just like oil painting loans? Yeah, uh, all kinds of painting. Um, uh, one of my favorite books is called the, uh, I think it's called the Art Forger's Handbook. Uh-huh. And it's it basically details the techniques that, uh, that that you use uh, to that uh, Renaissance painters would use in their paintings, you know, or right. impressionists would right. use, and so on. And you learn all this information that they just simply didn't teach anymore. Right. Now, they did have ateliers in in Italy, and maybe so. If you could have went to Italy, or if right. you could have been like happen to be or happen upon your dad was an artist, a pretty good artist in in France, you might be able to get upon a group of people that could teach you these things. For nothing, or almost uh, nothing, or maybe everything. Oh, Who knows? It was, well, it's it was there was two ateliers in uh, Florence, Italy, uh -huh. uh, but you don't know about them because there wasn't an internet. And right. th at the time that I was uh, going to college for art, 
it was, you know, considered bad form to do anything that looked like something. Right. You know, I uh, get that. And like you don't want to forage. You want to. Well, you're just. You want to be on your. It's like musicians, and the best musicians are the ones that are always writing their own music right. and putting but out their own products. The, there's a man named Anthony Whitechulis, um, who formed a school where he uh, he his parents taught him. Uh, how to play various instruments. So he had a, a, a music education. And he realized that the education for artists was so different depending on where you went. Even within a school, yeah. you might go to a class over here and they say, do this. And then you go to a, like the next stage of that class. You have like oil painting one, oil painting two, and you go to oil painting two. And that instructor says, who told you to do that? Don't right. ever do that. So they weren't cohesive. Right. Well, it's it just... That's how art is. Lard, well, it, it's how art became. Right. So um, they didn't teach you anything. They taught theory. It was right. it was theory school. It wasn't art school. Okay. Okay. And you would learn a bunch of stuff. Even now, this is this That's, is the case sometimes. Yeah. But now there are more ateliers. It's becoming more common, right. and it's becoming the case that largely in places that are not the best art places, like New York, Los Angeles. Dallas, Tokyo, Paris, etc. Mm-hmm. The the idea of of old school painting, abstract painting, etc. That's kind of gone by the wayside. The new thing is realism, and it's okay. only in backwaters essentially where you you see people clinging to abstract, you know, right stuff. So yeah, I don't know. You know, that's just pretty technical for me. But I think like with you, you're into realism, mm-hmm. and but also, I've seen different techniques. It's the same, um, where you get a thick wad of paint and you have different layers of paint in the paint. It's kind of like candy making in a way. Where mm-hmm. they make a, where they make a, a, a Christmas tree inside of a hard candy. Right. And they do this long roll, and they do it, and you have this like yellow and pink and white in all in one thing. And then when you swipe it, that pink and white comes out of that yellow you know and it makes a tree somehow right that's amazing to me you know <laughs> like nothing could be more amazing to me than it's amazing finding figuring out in your mind how to do that and then convey it and then actually do it and have the patience to let it dry and not mess with it you know how do you do that <laughs> it's amazing well, you know it's i do realism primarily because it's more difficult Mm-hmm. I've done abstraction. Uh, a friend of mine, Sharon Jessick, who I uh, who is a relatively famous artist, uh, she would uh, uh, tease me all the time about being a realist and you know and so on. And I said, well, anybody can do that abstract stuff that you do. She did she did con- concept or conceptual art. Okay. And uh, so one night, I I had a, a stack like twenty six. Uh, tablecloths. They were square tablecloths from a restaurant that was throwing them away. Uh-huh. And I just cleared all the furniture out of my room, had all this cheap paint that I bought at Kmart that they were throwing away. Right. And I threw all these uh, 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 tablecloths on the floor, took a bunch of acid and drank a bunch of uh, 
tequila right and and just spent and spent all night just throwing paint i took like socks and put like sand in them and then dip it in paint and just okay. curl it across the room and <laughs> it kind of flop over just these having paintings. a great great old time. yeah and just and just did all this until i passed out yeah you know then i let it dry let it all dry and i took the paintings to her and said look you know this is amazing this 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 art i made and she was like this is great <laughs> So I don't know that she knew to mess with me, or she well, actually thought it, it was great. Well, isn't it beautiful? What's happening? I don't know. It's, it's. I don't know either. I never could be a good judge of the abstract. Well, you know, I, it's. I think. Well, you know, it's not that I don't like abstract. I've done abstract before, mm-hmm. and but I'm just making pretty pictures. The idea that that uh, that it's anything more than pretty pictures is is salesmanship. Right. You know? It's being able to speak the game. Right, you're you're just going in. So well, this is it. about blah, blah, blah. It's yeah, salesmanship. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I've seen raggedy old walls with multiple layers of different colored paint that are just abstract as hell, yeah. and they're beautiful. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, they speak to you in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Rothko's paintings. You know, I think they're amazing. Yeah. You know? But it's so different from what you do. Yeah, but that doesn't stop me from appreciating them. And, you know, as far as what is, quote, unquote, good art or not, that's that's a terrible question because we've eliminated the idea of good art by essentially taking out the equation of ability. Right. You know, so. Yeah, I, I always feel like it's what speaks to you well, is what your art is, you know. Right. And, and obviously, a lot of people are being spoken to by something other than what I think is. Sure. Classic style or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And and vice versa, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so it's I don't I don't care if people want or don't want something. What I always tell people when they come to the to a gallery like uh, Ruben Sanders where I've had shows mm-hmm. um, and people ask me about stuff and I say, just buy what you like, you know, do not buy what some salesman tells you to buy. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. The people in a gallery are salespeople. And they're also quite educated on the arts. So they know uh, maybe investment better than someone off the street. Although things change, you know, perceptions uh, change. As one person noted, um, art is is the second largest unregulated market in the world after illegal drugs. Okay. Who knew? And uh, art is also the primary way that people launder money. Really? Yes. Wow, I did so, not know that. Yeah. I thought it was like washing little businesses on the side. You know, like. Yeah, I know that happens. You yeah. Know? The uh, laundromat next to Kirby's was a was a place that was essentially laundering money for the KC mob. So. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm, well. So actually, Kirby's was too. For a while. Well, well, I owned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hell, man. So, you know, got to make a living sometime. So what's the take on that then? On, like when you launder money for a, a legitimate thing? I don't I don't see any like of that. Would you get like 5% or something? No, I don't get any of that. All's I, all's I'm doing is I have, I have a jukebox. I have some pinball machines. And nobody's And I have a lease. <laughs> and the, the lease comes from the guy who owns the pinball machines where the hard, cold hard cash goes huh. and is untraceable. Well, that's weird that we're getting pinball machines again. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> don't look into that. Nobody's listening. Yeah. Nobody's don't listening worry. any fucking way. It's okay. 
Luigi, it's all right. Hey, Luigi, we're all good. Remember your friend. And um, anyway, so on to back to art. Um, so you went to WSU. Your mother kind of forced you in, and then you um, found the art bug. I'd been already, the art bug I had, I was trying to find some place that would teach me how to use a brush. And that didn't happen there. No, it didn't happen there. So did you transition into something else at WSU and then keep doing art on your own? I ended up going into the military. Oh, tell me about that. Well, there was this girl uh, that I had met <laughs> at the bo- at the boys' home, the same one who would fly to Scotland. So she had in. She she went her she. You went in as had a second family. lieutenant. She had family in <laughs> Germany, and she moved there. Okay. And I was chasing her to Germany. That's kind of cool. That's why I why I joined the military. So, tell me that story. I just I just love Germany so much, actually. Well, it's that's a nice place. Yeah, I think it is that's, too. I want to go there. I uh, when I signed up, I wanted to go sh- in the shortest stint as possible, and two years was the minimum. But you had to go into combat arms, so you either had to be infantry, artillery, gotcha. or tankery. <laughs> tankery. <laughs> that's not what it's really called. Whatever. But tanks. Sitting in a tank. So waiting to get blown yeah. up or blow something up. Yeah, you know, work, 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 and. Um, so I, they, I had taken the GT test, the general technical test, which kind of assigned you where to go. And I scored highly enough that they basically said, you don't want to do that. You want to go into um, a military intelligence. Okay. And I said, well, okay. That's uh, four years, though. Yeah, it's four years. Uh-huh. And I was kind of resistant to that. And, but I was sort of turning towards it. And when I went back to the recruiter, and or no, it was, it was still at in Kansas City where I took the test. Uh-huh. I went to the recruiter who was there. He basically talked me out of going into um, this the infantry part into the military intelligence because he he's he looked on my record and apparently there was a traffic ticket that I had not put down on my paperwork when I first. Uh, did paperwork in Wichita. Okay. The thing was, the guy in Wichita, I'd asked him, should I put my uh, traffic uh, tickets yeah. down? And he said, no, we don't do that. And because of that, I now, I couldn't become, and go, I couldn't go into military intelligence. You honest enough. Because clearly I was a spy. Well, and you're not <laughs> honest. And you have to be honest. I'm sorry. Yeah. So. Because those guys are so honest. There you go. Lately, especially. Yeah. So I, I, there, I, off I went to Germany. You went to Germany and you went into infantry, like no, the to tanks. I was a tank driver. Okay, you drove a tank. Mm-hmm. So tell me about driving a tank. Is that fun or what? That's uh, great. You can't really be hurt unless you drive over a cliff. Uh, <laughs> that's true, isn't yeah, it? Can you drive over a bomb and still not explode? No, you can, no. That, it's bad if you drive over exploding. But tanks. there's people that clear that area for you before you go, or mm, not necessarily. So how do you know? I don't know. I I just drove the thing. It was in yeah. Germany. It wasn't really like just we were at war. Way, go that way. Yeah, you just you know the, the tank commander says. But you were not at war. No, there was no war going. No on war. This is Germany. Yeah. So you're just learning how to drive tanks. Yeah, I learned how. They did that basic training. Then I went to Germany and spent a lot of time doing drugs. Yeah. Driving. So tanks. they don't test you for drugs while you're driving a tank. No. What? Why would what they the do fuck, that, dude? You could kill many people. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
who cares? Yeah, we'd be we'd be listening what to to like uh, Blue there, Oyster Cult, you know. Yeah. Oh no, there goes Tokyo, and then <laughs> just high as a kite. Really, and you're just driving a tank. Yeah. Just chucking it up. Yep, having a great time. Because every time I ever did acid, I was laughing. Well, you know, sometimes there were some very funny moments. Yeah, for yeah. no reason, I was laughing. That it could happen. Just laughing. You know, I just thought things were funny. <laughs> like people are funny. But okay, so you made it through your two years. Two years. In your tank in Germany mm-hmm. with the girl. Well, what I wasn't then? with the girl. That was a thing. What happened? I was in basic training and I wrote her a letter and I hadn't told her before I joined the military. And I wrote her a letter and said, I joined the army. I'm coming to Germany. And, and she wrote back and said, if I ever see you again, I'll kill you. Why? Well, um, I don't know. Because um, <laughs> she's German. Yeah, but she's, no. And she she had a black belt second degree in karate. She would have killed you. And she, she would have broken her She neck actually neck. ended up winning the, uh, uh, like, the, was it 1977? <laughs> Something uh, 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 German national karate championships against eight, full contact uh, uh, competition against eight male contenders. Male? So, yes. Male? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's that'd be difficult. She was a badass. So no, you didn't even look for her. Well, you know, um, except for on the side. I didn't know where. I didn't know where she was. I didn't know anything about that. I knew that I knew that she was in Stuttgart, whereas whereas not where I was stationed. Right. You know, because where were you stationed? I was stationed initially in uh, Baumholder. That's B A U M, which is tree. Uh, and then they moved our entire battalion up to Wildfucken, which is on the border with uh, East Germany. Yeah. Ooh, so it was east-west conflict. Right, we were right at the uh, at that wall. Berlin Wall. Yeah, no, it wasn't Berlin. Berlin was inside of yeah East Germany, but this was uh, a Vilfecken. It was what they call the Fulda Gap, and our, oh. it's the only place that's the place where they assumed that the Russians would come pouring through the mountains if they could. Well, if if they wanted to, if that's they where would. they'd have to go because that's yeah the best. It's the way. only way. Well, they could come across the plains, but then they, the our mili- uh, our air force would destroy them. You would so. cut them down like knives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, as you should. Anyway, as you do. So as you do when you're in war, and people are trying to invade you. But okay, so we're there. We're you're getting out of Germany. You never hooked up with the chick. Actually, I did. Because she got you out of the ass. What happened? So you could be what in the happened? Tank, right? Well, what happened was that <laughs> that she ended up calling my parents, yeah, and saying uh, she'd like to speak to me, and she didn't know where I was, what unit or anything. Okay. And my mom had hesitated and was not going to give give. But she thought, well, maybe he wants to see her, so she, she went ahead and gave uh, her my uh, battalion number and all that sort of right. stuff. Right. So I'm. It's night. Uh, and I get a call. Oh, actually, someone comes up to my room. They, we didn't have phones. And they said, you got a, you got a call, you know. Down at the one down at, phone. Down at the desk, yeah. you know. So I go down there, and it's this girlfriend. Do and, you want to say her name? Uh, I'll call her Cindy. Okay. And uh, You uh, don't have a better German name than that? Like? Frau Blucher. All <laughs> 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 <Fair> right. <laughs> Frau Blucher. That's so easily off the tongue but no cindy cindy basically said you know you need to come visit me i'm in stuttgart here's my address blah 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 and she's she's married okay something okay that's cool i can do that yeah yeah so i go awol because our battalion uh basically had a limit on like a like a 50 kilometer limit that we could travel 
And it was uh, further than that. And yeah, it's like the Stuttgart. And the thing was, we had that limit because we had the high, our battalion had the highest rate of murder, assault, rape. I mean, we were there's shit going on out there, and they love there to were, kill Americans. There were riots and stuff, and this is you know the American soldiers were just so we they the Germany German government basically said you guys can't travel around here. You're too dangerous. Yeah, but well, yeah, we are. Look at us. Yes. We're it very was, dangerous. So I had to go AWOL, got a ticket yeah. to Stuttgart, and, and went down there on the train. Yeah. What happened then? Well, I arrived, and they were doing the uh, the once-weekly um, anti-terrorism police parade. What? Which is, <laughs> which is all the police in, in Stuttgart would make a parade of police cars with their blue lights and their you know wah, 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 yeah you know european shit. and there's like a like hundred of them and they'd all just kind of drive around them the downtown area yeah. you know yeah. and then they just cleared and this red uh corvette pulls up in front and it's her what I'm in like, a red corvette in a red corvette so, so. prince has you so she, so she drove me. To, she drove me to a party, uh, which was for her husband, and okay. and she got him drunk out of his mind. Yeah, and he fell asleep. I totally. Would and do he that. was he was a nuclear demolitions expert, so he mm. shouldn't have been drinking like that. But Very that's much. another story. That's probably why he was lightweight. He never drank like that. Well, they they she had a plan. She wanted him to to uh, pass out. So she could. Talk nibble up on you no so she could talk to me yeah of course that's yeah. what i would do right so <laughs> so she takes me out to the parking lot and she says look you know the reason i got you up here is because i want you to um to basically marry me I'm, I'm but you're married already yeah that's a, what i said i said yeah, well, hold, hold up and she says well the thing is 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 that i'm still an american citizen and i can only and and I'm married to this guy. He was a soldier. And he has to, um, you can only stay seven years out of country in the military. And then you had to go back. Okay. And he was reaching his seven year. So she didn't want to, she wanted to stay in Germany. Uh-huh. She said, if you reenlist, because my enlistment was was going up in like a month and a half. And you were counting down the right. days. Exactly. I, exactly. I was short. Day. I was so short. Very happy. <laughs> And uh, and she says, you know, if you if you marry me, if you reenlist in the military, you can marry me and you can stay here with me. And like, so okay, let me get this straight. You're just dumping this guy. And so you're gonna do the same thing to me. Right. You were totally thinking that. Yeah. So I said, nah. I always think, you know, whenever any proposition came to me like that, I would always think, you're just gonna do this to me in four years. I'm just prolonging my own. Yeah. Demise. And quite frankly, Cindy, you're not that good. <laughs> and that's kind of good to hear. Yeah. People need to hear it. Yeah. That's why. There's nothing wrong with it, if it's true. Oh. And so she drove me right back to the train station. <laughs> she liked it. She was she's, mad. Yeah. She's like, In the okay. Corvette? Yeah. In the red Corvette? Yep. Red Corvette. That that's was his kinda, That was his Corvette. Yeah. Fuck yeah, it was. But you know what? You got drove back in the train station to yeah. it. Yeah. Boom. Got back on a train, went back to, went back to like the a rock star, <laughs> and it did not get caught as a wall, which was awesome. That is good. That's yeah. also good. You usually got caught, so obviously, I, th- I think it was the short turnaround that saved me. Yeah, that's good. I like 
I'm I'm kind of that way. I'm a ghoster, so like I'll just leave a place and never tell anyone goodbye, and it's just kind of my way. And I think that's what got me out of trouble a lot of times. Yeah. You know? So okay, you got your one month and four days came up, and you yeah. fl- went back to America. Yeah. Where'd you go to? Where's the first place you landed? Um, I think I landed back in uh, Salina, I think, where they decommission wow. you. I think that's where it was. And what happens when they decommission you? Like, uh, you, like do you do debrief and shit like that? You got your duffel bag full of crap that they want back, and you give it to them. I don't even remember what was in it. Really? You know, and if you don't have it, then they'll charge you for it. And then what happened? And then it's, they give you a bus ticket home. And you go back to go Salina. Back. Well, I actually end up going back to, to Winfield. Winfield, Kansas. Yeah. So then at Winfield, you're like, I'm going to chill out for a few weeks and then find a job? Or what? what's the deal? Like, I'm applying in California and L.A. and, um, <laughs> and no, New York I just, City. Or... I'm too lazy. I just laid back, drank iced tea. You know, Enjoyed your family. Sort of. And then, yeah. uh, you know, kind of went to the bars and dealt with some of the local weirdos and yeah things that people you knew before and then you came back right right yeah. and like see how that things have changed yeah not so much really when right mm. well i can see that and even and you had changed a lot though from going to germany and coming back to having yeah. you know i would imagine and you kept on doing art this whole time no at this time i was not really doing much in the way of art i was still doing some drawing i always drew uh like what kind of drawing? Like pencil drawing or yeah, just pencil drawing, sketching, sketching. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, and you just kept on like you would just set places and sketch stuff, or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that yeah, could be anywhere, anything, anywhere, anything. And yeah. so then I got a job uh, working in the oil fields in Winfield, Kansas. Actually, well, actually, the the where I worked was in uh, Oklahoma. There was two different counties I worked. I remember one of them was Kay County, and I can't remember what the other county was. So, what do you call that? What, do you, what I do was you, a roughneck. Roughneck. That's yeah. what I thought. So. Yeah. So you were laying pipe. No, well, sort of. What we, we basically, we, you'd get up at whenever, depending on what shift you're on. Uh, we were on uh, on daylights which meant you had to get up really early and you drive uh i think it was about 90 miles to where we work in the middle of nowhere middle of nowhere okay. it's like dark when you leave the house right. and then you get down there and you work for eight hours and you drive your 90 miles back what do you do while you're at work well do you think I, about the next thing you're gonna do all well, day long well no you just you have to focus because it's an extremely dangerous job yeah that's why right. so, like wrapping that's what I did. I was a chain thrower. I didn't work in the derricks. And, you, know. you threw the chain. Yeah. I mean, that's very dangerous. Yeah. Like maybe part three of the deadliest jobs <laughs> in America or something. I don't like know that. about that, but it's. I almost lost my fingers uh, throwing chain. And the guy, after I got my, got my hands out of the chain, just, I mean, literally just bruised them. And he says, you know, don't lose your fingers. You know, they don't pay you very much for those. And he explained our health plan was essentially, it was $100 per finger, $500 for a thumb. I think it was like 1000 for a hand. What? Yeah. And I forget what it was for a foot. But they knew this because they had experienced it. Well, or somebody I told. This is well. This is this is what they told me. For yeah. all I know, they might have been pulling my leg. Yeah. But, so, and if you if you uh, when get, was this? If you get killed, it was like 
$5,000. So uh, this was, uh, when was it? Yeah, like in This time. would have been 81, 82. Okay, and so this is a weird question, but um, you know how we are today in our divisive society that we live in now. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and it was it different. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, mainly in the sense, well, maybe not so different. Um, I was young, and uh, I didn't really pay that much attention. Although, I mean, I was political in the sense I'd always been pretty much an anarchist slash like socialist, libertarian. You know. Is that like? No, I wouldn't do a libertarian. That's the junior high of political philosophies. <laughs> you know? Well, I, th- I, I, I tell people, essentially, I believe in facts and yeah. reality. For instance, okay. um, uh, single-payer health care, mm-hmm. okay? Um, it would seem to me that, that, that the Republicans would be the first ones who would support it. Single-payer health care, yeah. which pay for your own. Well, no, single-payer means that it's, it's government-paid. Everybody puts in— You put in, in your tax dollars and right. then you and the get health care The government is the single-payer. They're the ones who are essentially the insurer. So there's not all this right. inflation or so No, it would be just like Canada. It'd be, I love Canada. Yeah, and you'd have oh, you'd have a card and you'd go to the doctor and you wouldn't have to pay a bill. You'd just pay taxes. And it turns out that doing it this way— How much taxes is that? The— the the thing is, is that it's actually cheaper to have everyone in the whole United States 100% covered, you know, with no... Like, no, it's, like if nobody's covered, then they overinflate the price in order right. to charge The thing it. is, is that like, because we have a law that I think was passed in 84 or 85, essentially says that uh, emergency rooms have to treat you. Right. Whether you, So people with no health care right, so, go to the emergency room. So you have, let's say you cut your finger... And um, but it's really bad, and it probably should be looked at. But you don't have a doctor and can't afford it, so you wrap it up in some gauze and put some tape around it, and you just pray to God that it doesn't get worse. But it does. A little black line starts snaking up your finger, right? And now it's going up your palm, so you're and your whole hand becomes black. And instead of being a fifty-dollar, you know, doctor's visit paid for at that time by the government, it's a fifteen thousand dollar exactly. So that is why it is so much more expensive for our system. It's a completely insane system. And Republicans are always going on about how they love money and they sure wish we didn't spend so much. And this is cheaper. Right, right. I mean, it is cheaper if we take care of each other. Well, it's just cheaper, flat cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Because also, like, Germans do that, okay? So I have German friends and they tell me about what they, the rigors that they go through. So if you're a pot smoker, they test your blood and you're a pot smoker and you get put on the list of pot smokers, okay? So you end up paying more taxes out of your money of your that you earn for smoking the pot that you smoke, which mm-hmm. makes sense. I mean, you do the thing, so you pay the price, right? Right. And I don't have a problem with that, but the thing about America is, is I just, we don't. We have this philosophy like we're going to take care of each other and be each other's brother and neighbor, but we don't act like each other's brother well, and neighbor. We don't really have that philosophy. What we have is the you're on your own brother philosophy. So, well, what's, what's so hard about it? I don't know. Well, It's, it's we the same hardness of putting a mask on your face when you walk into right. a, a close contact with others. Well, it's largely because we're in late-stage capitalism. That's why. Late-stage capitalism is... It's just going to hell. Right. It just means that 
capitalism is a whirly gig machine that goes faster and faster and faster until it just just destroys itself. So it's like energy or any other atom. Right. You know so what I mean? When you, uh, if you have a giant country that you've stole, stolen from uh, the indigenous population by murdering them, creating a genocide, Disease. then you just, exactly, and you just have um, this enormous resource that you, you can apply towards this machine called capitalism. And right. uh, then once it gets to a, a straining point where you're starting to run low on energy or land or water, water. <laughs> then you're, you, yeah. then things start falling apart. Then there's social issues that start impinging. Uh, when you have people who, who, like today, it's hard to find people who work these really shitty low-wage jobs. I wonder why. They don't want to go back because it's bullshit, yeah. and they know it. Because it's hard back-breaking work, and they're getting paid nothing for it. Yeah. And they deserve to have something mm-hmm. for it. Um, so I'm going to move on because this is heavy. But um, what I want to know is for art, for art, mm-hmm. um, you make some of the most captivating art that I've seen in a long time. Like I see things you're posting and I'm like moved. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I think if you don't have a chance, just check it out. It's like really, really, really real. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well. But, but what, what changed you from the acid-taken army guy to artist to this captivating, precise artist that you are now? I mean, you really are. Like, I can look at your picture and see exactly what the street you're on. Hmm. Well, I'm. I paint what I paint to, uh, and how I paint, because it's challenging. You know, there's. It's not interesting if I'm doing something that's like just super easy. Um, I can paint. I've have painted in impressionistic style and. Uh, you name it, every style there is, and it's just not that interesting to me. Um, I also am a firm believer that art is not something that should be used to uh, teach people political messages. Right. Okay, if you're going to do a message, write an op-ed. Okay, that's that's not what art is for. And I, I'm, I'm if if I ever read an artist statement that basically says war is bad, that's a bad artist. You know, his image actually his images could be lovely, you know, but very rarely is an artist uh, smart enough to talk about these issues effectively. You know, right. they might be able to make some kind of smart ass image that is captivating in the moment. You know, that's like, oh, look at this, and then it's forgotten. Uh, but what makes it stand up through time is is when it's about human emotion mm. and about human life and and the things we have to deal with. As humans on this planet, you know, uh, not not in the policy sense, but in the sense of just being alive, knowing that we're gonna we're gonna live, we're gonna suffer, we're going to uh, have beautiful things happen, and then one day we're gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. In a way, that's it in a nutshell, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. What you just said. So, with that, I'm gonna say. Um, do you have a story of inspiration? Inspiration. Um, 
I don't know about inspiration per se. Um, there's, uh, as you know, I belong to something called the Doom and Gloom Club. Yeah. Which has been meeting for like 16 years every Wednesday. Yeah. Beautiful club. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, and there are things that I have uh, studied and, and looked at. So I'm not saying I'm a scientist or anything, but there are scientists who've written refereed papers that are uh, how shall we say it extremely alarming yeah and so uh i you know to inspire someone in this setting is almost impossible because i can tell you some feel-good story about how you should feel great and yeah you can be an artist but in essence that comes down to is there a point you know so my inspiration my inspirational words for you are this do what you like do what you love go where you want to visit you know don't do jobs that suck you know uh, exactly just be in this moment because these moments are the only ones you have and there might not be that many left right that's it that's beautiful and i i couldn't i couldn't be behind you more than i am really Awesome. I I thank I thank you so much for coming, and I'm gonna put links on your paintings, what you got going on in the future. You're gonna send to me so that I can put links on on the page on the notes area. And I thank you for catching a pocket with me today, awesome. Richard. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much. Do you have any other thing you'd like to plug? Um, I have nothing to plug right now. Right on. I'm working Except for life's great. Yes, I'm working, working, working. I've got a big commission to do, and when it's done, should be in about a month. Then I think we'll everybody will hear about it. Okay, well, we'll be on the lookout. Look out for Richard Davies, he's doing some great things. Well, thank you, Richard, for coming on the show, and thank you guys for sticking with us through the show and listening to Richard's story. Um, some interesting stuff there, something to learn, something to live by, and, uh, you know, there's always something that you can take from an artist and uh, make your own. So, that's what life's all about. You guys, I'll post Richard's links at the end of this page. I really enjoy you guys for coming. Tell your friends and families. Like and follow and subscribe. We'll see you guys down the road somewhere. And if you have ideas, please send your ideas or information to catchapocket at gmail.com. And I'll get back with you as soon as I can. And, um... For those of us that are about to rock, we salute you. And uh, I hope you guys catch a pocket you can be proud of. Thanks for listening. <laughs>